Hi, everybody. I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast, where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Joe Hart. Joe is an organizational psychologist and founder of True Perspectives, a leadership development practice. He is a highly experienced executive coach, speaker, trainer, and facilitator. And if you're looking for someone to help you to drive honest conversations, build trust, and create meaningful change in your business, well, then Joe has great advice. He joins us today to share how his role as an organizational psychologist helps businesses connect and communicate, whether it be with customers or their staff. Welcome, Joe. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. You're very welcome. Great to be here. Excellent. Now, you're an organizational psychologist. For our listeners, can you dive into that a bit? What is that exactly? Yeah, great question. Um, and yeah, to be honest, I don't really know. But um, <laughs> no. so in seriousness, um, so most people know of psychologists in the context of counselling or uh, clinical settings where they might uh, go to see a psychologist for a bit of help around a relationship or maybe some mental health challenges they're having. Um, so organisational psychology is is really business psychology. It's the sort of person that you would ask for help around how to get your team really motivated or how do you work with a, an organization to increase employee engagement that would have uh, an output effect of uh, greater productivity or greater profitability for the organization. So it's really thinking about um, how do we actually work with you know, a, a relatively healthy population and make them even better. So it's generally you know, a, a strengths focused uh, type of organization, but uh, type of approach. But you know, organizational psychologists can be very varied in terms of their focus. Um, personally, I'm more of a leadership development organizational psychologist. So I like working with leaders to help them be more effective um, because I believe that the influence that leaders have on the broader population within an organization is, is really powerful. So I like working with them one-on-one, but also as, as groups to, to get that output. So did you find your, um, your skill set was getting called on a lot more because of the way that the shifting shape of teams and the nature of work since the pandemic? Uh, I wouldn't say more, to be honest. I, I think it's always been a necessary, uh, a necessary engagement. Uh, we've always had challenges with relationships. We've always had challenges with motivation and how do we attract people into our organisation and make the most of that opportunity once they're there? How do we manage people that are underperforming and how do we have difficult conversations uh, so emotional intelligence, uh, big topic, um, all of that has always been relevant and I believe it always will be. So while the nature of the engagement shifted throughout uh, COVID and there were a lot more people, I, I think, seeking um, individual support, maybe the clinical type of support because of some of the challenges that they were facing around not having income or the stresses of being cooped up at home with their, their family in a different way, um, they needed to talk about that. So maybe in my one-on-one sessions, that did come up a bit more. But uh, I think as an organization, uh, as an organizational psychologist, I was still doing the same, relatively the same type of work just through Zoom, obviously. Mm. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, motivation and getting the best out of your team. What mm. are some some easy kind of 
fixes or tips that you might have for our listeners about say you have someone in your team that might be underperforming that you know is capable of a lot more that you Mm. can help get them motivated and enthusiastic about work again yeah look great question um well, I think the, the biggest challenge when you're facing um, someone who, who seems like they're, they used to be a great performer or, or potentially they haven't fully hit their stride is, is really to seek to understand what's going on with them and, and what is it that they really enjoy. Uh, often we can um, fall into a bit of a habit around how we respond to people and the type of projects that we expect they'll be good at and, and being good at something doesn't equate to being really motivated to complete that type of task. So somebody could be amazing with numbers and spreadsheets, but actually that's not where their passion lies and and that's not something that really invigorates them anymore. Maybe it did at one point because they were getting rewarded for it and acknowledged for it, but you know they've gotten bored. So, so I think it's to be on the front foot around understanding what are some of the drivers, what are the values that this person holds dearly uh, you know, sometimes it could be that uh, what's going on at home is now conflicting with what they used to really enjoy. So they might love travel, but they've since had kids and, and so their partner at home is struggling and they need that extra support. So they're trying to reconcile what they're facing at home with what they're facing at work. And without having that conversation and understanding where they're at and what they're challenged with, uh, you, you really you really can't help them. So, yeah, I, I always encourage managers, uh, but also employees that are reporting to a manager, be open, be honest, uh, lead with the truth, have the conversation that you fear is going to limit you because that's the one that once you break through, it will most likely lead to better outcomes for you. Hmm. That is interesting because those conversations can be difficult for a lot of people. So Hmm. how can they approach it so that, it becomes less of a difficult conversation that they are, they do feel okay to be vulnerable or um, make the yeah. leap into engaging with with their their um, team leader or their boss or, yeah. or their employee in a more honest way. Yeah, yeah. So, look, there's a couple of things you can do. And I think first, if you're feeling really anxious about that conversation, which is typical, you know, if you're about to challenge your, your manager with, you know, maybe some feedback about how they made you feel or a meeting that didn't go so well or, you know, a customer that you know is going to go talk to them about how they're not feeling good about what you did for them, whatever it might be. Take a moment just to evaluate what's going on physically. Like where is your physiological state at? Because if you're wired and stressed and your heart's thumping and you're sweating bullets, you're probably not going to deliver that message in a way that is received. All, all the person sees is you stressed, sweating bullets and your heart's thumping, like they're going to say, wow, something's not right with you. Are you okay? So that will be their concern. That's what they'll want to help you with rather than I hear what you're saying. And yes, thank you for the feedback or thank you for the heads up or right, let's talk about this. What do we need to do differently? So that physiological barrier, if you're stressed, is a really, uh, I think it's the first thing to address. Um, So getting yourself back into a uh, a relaxed physiological state as best as possible. So activating your parasympathetic nervous system, you know, the obvious ways of doing that. Uh, you know, if you do meditate, awesome. If that's not your cup of tea, do something physical. Uh, so yoga 
uh, is obviously a great one. If that still feels a little bit beyond you, you know, one of my personal favorites is juggling. Juggling is a great activity. It's a bit fun, uh, but it also gets your brain working um, and focused on one thing. Like it's really hard to focus on multiple things. Ironically, when you're juggling multiple balls, um, you just have to focus on that task. So it gets you out of the stress and and the rumination pattern that that's triggering all of that that uh, unease and discomfort in you physiologically. So whatever it is that you do, you know, if it's a brisk walk, if it's a bike ride, if it's a sauna, if it's a gym session, um, do something. And it usually is something physical. If I be really honest, what works for people is generally something that grounds them in their body. So get, get conscious of what's happening physiologically and that'll uh, go a lot of the way to actually help you. Um, some of the other things, I mean, context, uh, you know, you don't want to have a challenging conversation uh, in a group of people that are all staring at you. you know, that's not safe. Uh, so a team meeting, you don't want to strike up a bit of a confrontation because, um, yeah, that's going to be awkward. Uh, maybe you want to do it in a, a setting that is less formal. If the conversation is less formal, and it's more of a personal one. Uh, so a cafe or, you know, somewhere, somewhere, maybe even less public than a cafe, you know, a park bench or something. Um, equally, if it's a challenging formal conversation, you know, if you're talking about salary or something, you don't want to just throw it out there when you, you're, um, you're being quite casual and you're having lunch at a park bench. Like it, it actually it, it deserves a bit more thought than that rather than a flippant response. So really be conscious of the context. Um, your pre-existing relationship is another really important factor. You know, I think sometimes we forget that. And, um, you know, especially if you've been a manager of somebody um, or you've been a colleague of somebody and then you shift into manager, like knowing how to navigate that change in relationship is really critical. Um, so, you know, going all of a sudden from casual to formal can feel uh, overly confrontational. So, yeah, know your relationship, what water under the bridge is there and, and really uh, honour that and, and don't just, you know, uh, sort of disregard it because I think that, that'll get you into trouble. And I'd say my favourite one, uh, my favourite tip for everyone, and this is regardless of whether you're having a difficult conversation or not, is to, to get really, really aware of what you're telling yourself. And what I mean by this is... Um, and I know this because so many people share this statement with me. I'll say, oh, right, it sounds like you need to have a conversation with your manager about this or you need to, to provide this feedback to your partner about what's happened. And they'll say, oh, I know what they're going to say. I know what they're already going to say. They're going to reject mm. it. And that's what I mean by notice what you're telling yourself. You've already decided what's going to happen next, which shapes the outcome and the behavior you bring to the conversation. So it's predetermined. And so rather than assume that you know, let go of that. Notice it. So that's interesting that that's what I believe right now. But let me test it. Yeah, is it also about quieting that kind of inner critic as well? Totally, totally. Um, I mean, it's not always critical, right, what you say yourself. Sometimes it might actually be very sound in terms of past behaviour and the expectation. So it can be quite analytical um, and not necessarily a criticism of, of what you're going to do. But, um, but it, it does become a blocker or it shapes the direction that you take it. And I don't think that's always helpful. So just notice it and allow it to be there. 
Um, if it's critical, like you're going to stuff this up, then absolutely, that's going to be terrible. It's not going to be useful at all um, because it'll stop you from even having the conversation. But um, yeah, letting go of letting go of all of that, I know what's going to happen or I, I've already decided that this isn't going to go well is, um, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest killers for actually engaging, one, and two, getting a decent outcome. What about if you're that person that's the people pleaser that's always going to be nice to their own detriment? Yeah. Um, some Somebody that's, um, you know, just going to agree and say yeah. yes to everything and, yeah, uh, this is not useful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not useful. Um, so I like to reframe that because obviously um, the challenge there, usually what they tell themselves is I don't want to be that, that that terrible person. I don't want to be that nasty person that gives this person feedback. I don't want to be that um, individual that hurts them. And, and my advice always um, is that's not who you are. If you're a people pleaser, if you really care about people, then, then actually, how can you serve them? And, and if you reframe it to a, how can you serve them and support them, then by giving them that feedback and allowing them to see how they're being experienced and to understand the impact that they're having on you and others is really powerful, like you're helping them. So yes, it, it might feel challenging. However, it's in service of them, which, you know, it will help them. It will help you. Doesn't make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about uh, physically? Like you spoke about the the juggling and the way mm. to get your um, your mind focused on something else. Mm. Um, are there other kind of I don't know breathing tips or? So yeah. you've got a big yeah, presentation I mean, or something that you've got to give. Yeah. Are there tips that you would give for your your clients before they're going in that they should think about to calm their nerves? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's uh, – so Matt Church, a, a mentor of mine, he's got a favourite saying and that is focus on your state, not the script. So if it's a presentation you're about to go into, you know, bringing yourself back to your physiological state and really uh, getting – present to what's happening inside you what's happening around you just so you're there you've landed that is 99% of the battle because if you're you're a little bit jittery and out of it like yeah it's just not going to land for you and you'll be focusing on what you need to say rather than what's going on for you right now so it's the same I think it's a great technique just before a presentation equally as powerful about to when you're about to go into a conversation that you you're perceiving or thinking might be a little bit challenging or uh, you know confrontational, so I think that's um, that's an awesome one. Just saying that to yourself, it's like state, not script. State, not script. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it sounds funny. Another interesting one. It doesn't work for everyone um, because most people think, oh yeah, whatever. And that is the the old power pose from uh, Amy oh, Cuddy's Amy work. Amy Cuddy. Yeah. yeah. Amy Cuddy's work. I've tried this myself uh, and I actually found that it did work. I did it properly. Like I was about to do a presentation. I was actually really nervous about it. And I thought, geez, um, what can I do? So I went to the bathroom and I did 
this uh, this power pose, and it was the Ronaldo, you know, uh, scored a goal power pose, you know, where he sticks <laughs> his chest out and puts his arms yeah. back. And I was like, yeah. And I did the Ronaldo one for three minutes, exactly as the research uh, suggested. And I actually felt different. I felt tangibly better as a result of doing that. And I thought, okay, good. I'll recommend that to my clients. Now, not everyone embraces it and they're like, eh, that's not my cup of tea or I no, I don't want to go into the bathroom. That'll be weird. And, and so that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's not for everyone. I think uh, it's what um, sometimes it's what you don't do. So I'll see people nervous and they go to their phone. They start scrolling through their phone and they start responding to messages and looking at Facebook and Instagram. It's like, what are you doing? You're already nervous. You're already anxious. And now you're just filling your head with stuff that doesn't matter and, and responding in the moment reactively. Like turn your phone off, put it on, do not disturb and, and just exit that whole world because it's not going to help you and it's not going to be useful. Uh, so a lot of people really struggle with that one because we're, we're just total crack addicts with our phone these days. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, don't go there especially if you know you're about to do something that is challenging, like why distract yourself? And mm. I, I get it. The answer is because it's uncomfortable and I don't want to feel what's happening in me. But really that's what you need to do and, and that's how you improve and get better. Sometimes I think it's also even just flipping it, like because nervousness and excitement are basically mm. sit side by side, don't they? Cause so you totally. could kind of just re-channel that nervous energy into feeling of excitement instead yeah 100 percent. i mean some people do that naturally really well um so for example my i've got i've got four kids but uh, my second son my 15 year old son uh we all do karate full contact karate but he he's um, particularly adept at at fighting and so he he goes in tournaments and i hear him say like even when he sees the opponent who's older stronger uh, bigger and scarier he sees him he goes oh, i'm excited i'm excited now i'm like oh aren't you nervous he's like no 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 no. i'm excited this is going to be good i'm like wow that's an awesome reframe because i'd be packing it i'd be like whoa i'm about to get my <laughs> head kicked off or bashed up but no that reframe that ability to interpret what's happening in your body which is the heart flutter you know a bit of the galvanic skin response a bit of sweating as excitement not as stress, but physiologically, stress and excitement are literally the same thing. They show up in, in your body in the same way, which is, I think, what you were, you were saying or alluding to. So, yeah, beautiful reframe. Uh, and um, interesting you mentioned the martial arts kind of thing because also mm. sometimes you don't have to engage if you're facing a confrontation, do you? Like sometimes it's better to walk away. I mean, Yes. Most martial like uh, my son does martial arts as well, and like the mm. teacher is always saying, you know, you will you never be the person to, you know, strike the first blow. Always mm. be, you know, trying to cool down a situation rather than mm. provoke something. That's that's what good martial arts is about. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I think. Um, yeah, it's it's a good point because really when we're we're considering what's going on from a, a martial arts standpoint, yeah, it's 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 about sharpening the sword 
uh, I think, you know, and, and you could say the same Stephen Covey in, in one of his habits is, you know, uh, sharpen the saw. And that is about being able to engage if you need to, if it really comes to that point. Uh, but it's not something that you want to jump into. So yeah, if you're about to go into a confrontation or someone's behaving really aggressively with you, sometimes the best thing to do is to walk the other way and actually disengage. Uh, it's it's the higher road, for example, but um, it, yeah, it's it's better. Mm. <laughs> I like. I think of all those uh, poor business owners. Uh, getting attacked by Karens at, at certain points during the pandemic and sometimes going toe-to-toe, I just would often think, uh, you know, better to just walk away from that because some people you just cannot reason with. 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's not, you know, it's really difficult when you, you've got, you know, customers or, or clients that are behaving um, inappropriately, let's let's call it that, Um but yeah, it's some, sometimes it's um, yeah, it's just better mm. to not engage and uh, and say, look, I, I understand. It's okay that you're feeling um, what you're feeling. It's not okay to to be behaving the way you're behaving. So I think it's better that we don't have this conversation right now. And uh, you know, sometimes that's a, a frame that you can put around it. You know, say what's okay, what's not. You know, the boundaries conversation. I stole mm-hmm. that one from Brené Brown, but um, but when it comes to yeah, you're just seeing somebody who's irate and livid. It's like yeah, mm. let's let's not go there. Yeah, we'll deal with this one once they've they've actually got control of what's going on inside them mm-hmm. because it, it's not helpful. And most people will mm. acknowledge that at some point. Um, so when dealing with difficult customers, they're not ones that are perhaps behaving in an extreme fashion, but ones that have legitimate. Um, complaints Mm. is it about kind of listening to what they've got to say and and validating their experience yeah absolutely i think um i think yeah listening um being able to actively listen is is what i talk to a lot you know first um if you're if you're not really listening if you're just rolling your eyes and being distracted people can tell they can sniff it a mile away so the first step is to, to be present and, and to be in the conversation, uh, you know, because it just it's so patronizing if somebody's pretending to listen or half listening. Uh, the reflective practice or that reflection, that ability to paraphrase what they've said so you can confirm for them, like you might get their problem, but they don't get that you get it until you reflect it back to them. And that that's what I call like true empathy, being able to reflect back accurately what they're saying in your words. So you've interpreted it, but you're reflecting it back. They hear their own words and they have the right to confirm or deny that that's what they've said. Even if that's exactly what they've said. You say, no, that's wrong. It's like, oh, great. Do you want to have a go at explaining it to me again? Because I'm not clear. Then they say it again and then you reflect it back until they agree and they say, yes, that's right. That's the moment. Yeah, that's a really great technique because you're constantly checking back in with them, yeah? Mm, yeah, uh, I mean, it's fundamental in the workplace as well. You know, I see so many people sit in meetings where they'll hear, uh, you know, a, a manager talk about all of the stuff that they want them to do. And they go, right, great meeting. Well, uh, have a great week, everyone. And they all leave. And then within minutes, I see two two staff members having a side conversation 
you know, I'm like, oh, do you want to go grab coffee? Well, did you, did he say to do that? Or did she tell us to go do this? Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. Yeah, that, that's not what we need to do. So instantly it's like, whoa, hang on. There's, there's a mismatch in expectation about what just came out of that conversation. And you're making assumptions that, no, it's not that important. And the other person saying, well, I heard that it was, even if it's captured in minutes, because sometimes the minutes are just, they're just what was said, not what mm. was agreed to. So I think a really great practice is that reflective practice. It's like, so just so I'm clear, or let me play back. Uh, what I'm hearing is it enables somebody to say, yes, that's right. Or no, actually, can I, I think I need to explain myself again. That's not what I meant. And, and that just, I know what's expected of me at work. You know, that's one of Gallup's, you know, it's the first question in their Q12 engagement survey. <laughs> it sounds really simple, but God, I, I just see so many opportunities missed when people are conversing and they walk away, not clear, or they think the other, like another one. And <laughs> if, if they're listening, it was just yesterday, actually, I was with, with a team, an exec team, and the CEO has a habit when, uh, when he's uh, challenged in the conversation to, to say noted, <laughs> right? Yeah. say noted. And, and so, so one of the, the team members said, look, I know when you really get it, when you say noted. And I challenged it. I was like, whoa, hang on. Can I just like double click on that for a second? And, and they said, oh, what do you mean? I said, oh, well, no, I know he's really heard me when he says noted. I was like, no, that's not okay because you're assuming that he knows what you mean. And, and it got really awkward. They were like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean? I was like, I mean, you need to clarify at that moment. Does he actually understand what you've just expressed? Because you're assuming that he gets it. And, and actually what was happening for the CEO was he was getting a bit annoyed and he wanted to move on. So he was saying yeah. no to like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that doesn't mean that he got it. And, and so it was like, and she's like, yeah, I got that he was a bit annoyed, but that's because I thought he got it so well that we didn't need to reiterate it. <laughs> that's like, positive. No, see, that's not good communication. Yeah, it's not good communication. What we need to do is, is actually take the time to really understand. So rather than say noted, what I'm hearing you say is blah, 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 blah. Good. And so, yeah, it's, it seems simple, which it is. Uh, in, when it comes to execution, it can be really challenging. And you can be in these team meetings and a lot of things come up and a lot of offers go out there about, you know, you could do this or you do this mm. and you do this. And people just tend to have um, a yes, yes, yes kind of reaction to that. They don't, they're a bit frightened of going, no, maybe I've got a bit too much on my plate or can we look at this at another time or whatever. Are there ways to kind of dive into the conversation and make it clear that perhaps, mm. you know, you don't have the capacity to do to do what is being asked of you? Like you don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think uh, it's, a, it's such a difficult one uh, and I think a lot of people say yes because they, again, it comes to what you tell yourself, they believe that if they say no, the opportunity is gone. It's going to make them look weak. It's going to make them look like they're at capacity and then they won't get that other opportunity or they can't then get a pay rise. So there's all this stuff that gets in the way. Uh, 
problem is if we say yes to everything, then we become everything or try to become everything to everybody. And actually what happens is we're nothing to nobody. So, you know, you've really got to prioritize what is most important right now. So that's a really great question to, to ask. You can still say yes, say, okay, yeah, I can help you. What I need from you though, and what I'd love to have a conversation about is how can we rework some of the existing priorities to bump this one forward? Because I know I'm already at capacity, so I'm going to need your help in determining how do we push back on some of these other deadlines, if that's part of what you want to do. If you're asking me to take this on in addition to, I'm not sure that I have capacity for that. So I'll, I'll you know, but I love your help. So that way you actually haven't said no, but you've alluded to, I don't have capacity to take on anything more. So then it puts the, the ball back in their court. Um, I think, some people like yeah but then my boss just says well you need to make a, a you need to make it happen and if it gets like really intense like that because you know in executive roles it's like well that's why you paid the big bucks suck it up work all night do what you need to do <laughs> have no life that's yeah, not my it's problem, not my problem. <laughs> you know you, yeah and and you hear it a lot and i've coached many people that when i've said yeah you need to have that prioritization conversation they're like no it's all a priority this is expected I have to. It's almost like I can't say no. I'm not allowed to say no. I'm like, right, again, what are you telling yourself? Uh, I think in those situations, um, you can pull out the big guns. And this is a question that I, I've adopted from a, a book called Never Split the Difference. Chris Voss is a great book. Uh, when someone gives you something that is unworkable as as a, an option, you respond, so how how do you suppose I'm supposed to work with that or how am I supposed to work with that and it's not always you don't have to deliver it in a confrontational way but it's asking of them it's inviting them to help you explore how you can actually work with that and pause (laughs) you just leave it and that's the secret so I'm curious how do you suppose I'm meant to work with that And they go, wow, you don't agree. You're actually saying no, you're pushing back. And that's what happens for them in that moment. It's a really powerful technique. And I think it's a a great way to put it back on them rather than just leave you with all of this crap that they've dumped on you, which isn't fair. (laughs) You probably have to do a few deep breathing exercises before you (laughs) you, you speak that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy one. I, I think people struggle with the pregnant pause. They find that super awkward and difficult. They struggle with uh, eye contact that's really um, intense. And all of this requires um, being okay with an awkward conversation, being okay with it feeling a little bit prickly and uncomfortable. But that's what it takes in order to break out of the, I'll just say yes, because that's easier. Well. Yeah, it's easier in the moment, but it's a lot harder long-term. And that's why we have so many people uh, suffering and, and talking about burnout and the fact that they're, they're not feeling heard and supported and understood and they're under-resourced, that they need to get more comfortable with the uncomfortable and the challenge. 
otherwise they're going to suffer. Um, but as humans, we tend to choose the, uh, the chronic, slow, enduring pain, not the acute, swift, <laughs> intense pain. And that's just what we do. You know, we all do it. Uh, choose the swift pain and you, you may be surprised by some compassion. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, it takes guts and courage, but, God, it's faster. It's a lot more productive. <laughs> so what would your advice be then uh, to someone who needs to have one of those difficult conversations with their their boss? Um Map it out before they mm. they have it so that they know what they're going to be saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think mapping it out is, um, it, it seems a bit like, think of it like a conversation around um, a redundancy, right? You know it's going to be a difficult conversation. There's so much emotion caught up in that. You can't predict how somebody's going to respond. So the best way to approach that is to have your three points that you need to outline and what's happening and then hand it over to them to express whatever it is they need to express. So you're not like some of the worst examples I've seen is, is where you have a script and, you know, a senior person says, oh, I know I've done redundancies before. I know what I'm doing. And they go off script and they make all sorts of silly agreements and promises and you think, what the hell are they doing? You, you've gone off topic. Now you've you've actually done something that's illegal <laughs> and you've made promises you can't keep and this person's actually feeling like you're an asshole and disingenuine. Like just stay on topic because they know, right? They, they sort of know what that conversation's about. So I, I think that's an extreme example of like that everyone can relate to. We've got a conversation that needs an outcome. Don't fluff around. Don't try and soften it allow them to hear the message that they need to hear, then respond to whatever it is that comes up for them. And that requires being present and compassionate and allowing them to be whatever it is that they need to be uh, and not preempting what that's going to look like. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you, you'll stuff it up. So, yeah, same thing. If you're going to have a difficult conversation with your manager or with somebody in your team around feedback, um, plan it out. But I'd like to think, Plan it out so you can actually get to the point within a couple of minutes, not spend 58 minutes talking about shit and then two minutes actually delivering the message that you came there to deliver, which happens a lot. You know, it's, it's fast forward to that, cut the crap, get to the point. Uh, I think that's key. Um, to be objective uh, in the conversation uh, is, is really critical as well. Uh, especially if it's performance feedback, um, you know, people want, they want objective feedback. W give me examples. Like, let me understand what it is that we're talking about here. Uh, I think another big mistake is, is secondhand information or third hand. Oh, so where's this coming from? Or give me an example. Oh, well, personally, I haven't seen this, but I've heard, or the team has mentioned, or so-and-so, I've had feedback from others. It's, that is just not okay. Even if that's how it's come through, I, I think sometimes um, you owe it to yourself to actually share what you need to share. Um, and here's what I'm not seeing or here's what I need more from you. Uh, I need to observe more of this from you because I actually haven't seen you.
dealing with the team and that's unusual, whatever it might be, it just prevents that defensiveness that might kick in as a result. Um, the other one is, um, and this is often missed because data and, and you know, KPIs and money always comes into the play, I think, a little too early. Um, but explain whatever it is, their behavior, if it's feedback, and so I've gone into performance feedback now, but if it's feedback, explain by them not delivering or them not uh, being effective in their role, how does that make you feel? And I think bringing your emotion, yes, you've been objective in terms of the examples, but then it makes me feel frustrated when we spend all of this time training and working together and aligning on the outcome we both want. And then you go do X, Y, Z. So I really need you to understand that if that, this doesn't shift, like it's going to make our relationship a lot more difficult to work through and look, um, yeah, that'll lead to another conversation about your future with this organization or in this team. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, that explaining how you feel, how it makes you feel, I think is, is critical because it makes it personal and human. So the, those kind of I statements are, are very important? Mm. I think so. I think so. Yeah, definitely mm. in that context. But, um yeah, so that that was more around um, mm. performance feedback. But what about so. um, uh, kind of team building in general? Because culture is is a very hot topic mm. at the moment, and there's definitely skills and staff shortages for a lot of businesses. How can a business owner make sure mm. that they've got the right culture and that they're doing the best for the business and their team and for themselves? Yeah. Wow. Uh, big question, big question about, I, I think it definitely um, varies in terms of the uh, the environment they're in. Like, so be it retail, be it hospitality, be it finance, be it, you know, uh, manufacturing, like the, the very different contexts. So how you would go about uh, looking at culture and engagement, motivation needs to be tailored to the environment. Uh, that That's critical. So it's obvious, but it, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Um, in terms of some universal truths that I, I think you could say exist across all of those contexts is people need to feel safe. And and this, um, uh, what I'm talking about, psychological safety. Um, and, you know, Amy Edmondson and her work that she, she actually, that was born out of healthcare. She talks to psychological safety as the ability for people to feel like it's okay to speak up, to take risks, that they're supported, even if they make a mistake, that they're not going to be, uh, you know, shamed for that mistake. So while obviously mistakes aren't great, but it's seen as a, a learning opportunity, it's actually celebrated that that mistake was brought forward so it can be dissected and discussed amongst the team. And it's not about making everything nice and polite uh, and I love that distinction because people go, oh, psychological safety, it sounds sort of like nice and, you know, we're just overly, you know, cuddly for each other. That, that's not the truth um, because it needs to be supported with an agreement and alignment on what are the performance standards? Like what are we actually agreeing is most important for us to deliver no matter what? So it's not saying, um, yeah, we'll just turn up to work and be comfortable. 
right? We actually want to be pushed and challenged, but not to the point of, of breaking point. So now you're, you're throwing me such a challenging task or project that I'm feeling incredibly anxious and overwhelmed, right? And what she calls the anxiety zone. Um, equally, it can be super safe, but um, not challenging enough. And so the, the you know, the, what we're aiming for is just not, um, is not really pushing anyone. And so everyone's just comfortable and it's a little bit easy. Um, worse is uh, if, it's, if the performance standards are really low and, um, and the, the, the level of psychological safety is really low, like people don't feel safe to speak up, then they're just apathetic and they just completely switch off. And that's what we're seeing you know, in, the, in the media at the moment around quiet quitting. People are turning up, but they're not there. You know, that presenteeism phenomena, it's, they're just apathetic about their, what, what they're there to do. Um, but where we're trying to shift everyone is high performance, high safety, like take risks, speak up, challenge each other, but for the right reasons. Like we're, we're aiming for excellence here. And, and that combination for any team in any business, in any industry, in any country, I believe, and, and I know that's contentious, I think is the key. People just want to turn up to work and do a great job. Thank you, Joe. I think that's all I've got time for. It was really lovely chatting with you today. Yeah, likewise. Loved um, it. Thanks for all your great insight. Thank you. No, you're very welcome. <laughs>